You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the very first episode of the Snippets of Genius podcast with me, your hostess, Caroline Kay. And to kick things off, we are joined by Ben Collins, who is one of the world-class, leading, award-winning film directors and creative experts in the London scene. Ben, welcome to today's first show. Say hello. Hello. That was all correct. Nice to meet you all. I'm glad it was all correct. Uh, I maybe overrigged it a little bit. Have I? No, no, that's absolutely accurate. How do you introduce yourself to people normally? (laughs) So... I'm quite bad at this. When I go networking, especially in the early days, I used to find someone with the most normal job, say accountant, and then I used to tell them that I was an award-winning film director and then stare off into the distance like that. (laughs) That was usually how I started things. And how does that work out for you? Not very well. No, people thought I was obnoxious for some reason. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you do then. So what do I do? I am, I suppose, by trade, a film director. I studied film and philosophy. Philosophy was an odd one, but I started working in the film industry many, many years ago. And come up to modern day, I run two businesses. One is a film production company, and the other is a marketing and communications agency for spaces and places. So is film and philosophy, are they connected in some way? How did that work? It was good for looking smart and talking to girls when I was younger. That was pretty much it. (laughs) Okay, well, at least there's a silver lining. (laughs) Okay, so philosophy was a bit random, a bit strange, but you kind of did it and you still loved your film. It all worked out. But how did you take the leap? How did you take the leap and say, right, I'm going to set up on my own? So I had always wanted to start my own business and I'd always had this sort of deluded self-belief in myself. I, I studied my master's in South Africa and I was directing very bad television and uh, a few commercials out there. And then when I came back Why to the UK... Why so no... bad? Why were you <laughs> Well, it's the low-hanging fruit, Caroline. It was what I could get at uh, as a 22-year-old director, I suppose. It, my first uh, TV I did was a Jewish religious series called Journeys of Inspiration, which was a 20-minute Jewish television series every Thursday. I'm not Jewish and I didn't know about Judaism, but I managed to get on, on as a director. It was an interesting time in, in Cape Town where I lived there three years. What took you there? So my parents had moved there when I was about 16 and I'd stayed in London. And when I'd finished my undergrad, rather than taking a gap year, I thought I would go study film in Cape Town because the film industry in Cape Town is a big one. Loads of commercials get filmed there. And, and in fact, three months after moving there, I started working as a cameraman in the TV industry. So it was, it was a good move. Oh, so there's a good story there. Tell us how you rocked up and got yourself a gig. How do you do that? I was just freelancing. And actually, this was the start of when I... So I remember when I was invoicing people for my camera work as a freelancer, I wanted to look bigger than I actually was. I Rather than, you know, a sort of freelancer, I wanted to seem like I was part of some sort of organisation. So I suppose that was the start of uh, my sort of desire to, to, to start a company. 
and I was wondering what to invoice people with. And I just came up with this name, Devilishly Handsome Productions, because I was young and obnoxious and I thought I was really handsome. I still do, actually. Um, so <laughs> that was the start of my entrepreneurship, I suppose. And I, I, I started off as a cameraman working for these TV uh, production companies and then became an editor and then became a director. And yeah, then I started directing sort of quite big commercials. I came back to the UK and I, I, I think the story is I came back to the UK expecting people to give me a lot of great film work and nobody did. Nobody had even heard of me. So so it's like, who are you? I don't know who you are. <laughs> well, I, I sort of came back thinking that, you know, I was a big dick and I'd done all this stuff <laughs> and that everybody was going to welcome me back to my homeland with open arms. And yeah, I spent three months going around London with my showreel, which was a DVD at the time, showing my age. And nobody was even letting me into the offices to give them my showreel. I was sort of perching them on the on the sort of the back of the doors on the street and stuff and you know so and then after three months I finally managed to get myself a job but I wanted to get better work so after a year of working there I decided to start up my own thing. What was the day can you remember the moment when you went I'm doing it I'm I'm gonna do it I'm gonna set up on my own. You know I actually can't I think I'd always thought about it and I'd always thought it would happen and I think I, so I worked for this company over in London for about a year and it was about six months in that I started working on building my business. So I would work till about five o'clock in the afternoon, come home and then start building this business with no idea what I was doing, but, you know, sort of building the brand, trying to work out how business works, starting a limited company, et cetera. It's definitely time to introduce your business. People don't know what your business is. I think we haven't covered that. So this this is my first one. So this is Devilishly Handsome Productions, the the limited company that I started. So film production business. So you took um, the brand uh, and the name that you had in South Africa because you'd set it up over there and brought it over yeah. here. Is that right? Is well, it- set it set it up set it up is a is a very a very <laughs> loose way of saying that I just used to invoice people instead of my name, just saying Devilishly Handsome Productions. Didn't seem okay. to get me in trouble over there. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I so I set it up as a limited business over in the UK, and after six months of setting up in my spare time, I sort of I left that that job with EBTV, they were called, and then started on started by myself, really. Was that terrifying, exciting, or did it just feel kind of natural next step? Natural next step, very, very exciting. I look back at it now and I think, what the hell was I thinking? But, you know, I went from sort of kind of well-paid job, being paid absolutely nothing, sitting in my bedroom, thinking it was the best thing that ever happened, and just knowing that I would get a job any day. And it took, <laughs> it took a long time for us to get, a, you know, to actually start, um, making money a long, long time. But yeah, I, I remember it being a sort of a natural and obvious thing. And some of the decisions I made back then when starting a business, not knowing what I was doing, I look back now and think, you know, fuck me, what on earth was I thinking? But oh, at the on, time, give us an example. Yeah. What kind of crazy decisions did you make? So we were in desperate search for our first big contract at the time. And Sky, I can't remember how, I think one of our older employees had sort of put us in front of Sky who had some sort of overflow work for us and we had done a few small jobs for them and they'd always be talking about wanting to come see our offices and we were in this horrid little office in Hoban that was tiny that was just in an attic type thing and it was certainly not client facing and they kept on the heat was was kept on turning up about wanting to come see our offices wanted to come see our team I had obviously told them that our team was bigger than actually was as well to make us seem as it were more capable. There was one afternoon where they called me and said they were going to come jump us that afternoon and come see our offices. They said, look, we'd love to come see you this afternoon to talk about the job. 
I then said, well, that's a funny thing. I'm literally actually right near your offices beyond Hammersmith. So why don't I just come in, drop in to see you? And they said, oh, okay, okay, fine. If you're close to us. So then I had to literally get over to Hammersmith from Hoban as quickly as I could. And I sort of got there dripping in sweat. You know, <laughs> I was, and, you know, I was like, oh, it's just, just next door. Ooh. Anyway, <laughs> lovely to see you. And then, and then after that, they then said, look, as part of our compliance, we have to come see your offices. And that was on a Friday morning, maybe. And so me and my business partner suddenly panicked. We went out. We, we found an office space down the road that would work for us on Brick Lane. So we, that afternoon, found the office space. You know, we went to go see a few, leased that one straight away, then drove to Portsmouth to buy a Chesterfield sofa because every big production company has to have a Chesterfield sofa. So we bought that. It would be really um, cool. yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> got to got to the office on Sunday, painted the walls a bit, put all our office furniture in there, smartened it up. And then I hired one of my producers at the time, Jade, was an aspiring actress and had a whole load of actor friends. And I hired them all to play roles as our employees. So that when Sky came in, I think 11 o'clock Monday uh, morning, what, three or four days after they first told us, we had a whole row of, of budding employees on laptops, sort of not really knowing what they're doing, but doing this in this new office where you could almost smell the paint. I want to get clattering keyboard noises in the podcast now. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) exactly. I think there was one moment where one of the the, the Sky guys asked one of these actors what he did and he was very flamboyant about something because he was an aspiring actor. And that almost put it off. But yeah, I think in the end, (laughs) he just about got away. What did he say? I can't... I can't remember, but it was certainly very, it was like, what do you do? He was like, everything. And I was like, oh, oh God, wow. just <laughs> calm down. And, you know, we only hired them like the day before. So I didn't really have much time to brief them. Sky came in, we had the meeting and yeah, we got the, got the contract. And then Amazing. I got rid of the extras. <laughs> I, think, I think we employed about five. I think it was about five extras. Wow. Amazing. Mm. That's a, just a brilliant story. And it's even better when I've not had three bottles of wine. I can't remember the story you've told. <laughs> <laughs> Do any other stories spring to mind now you've mentioned that in terms of on your entrepreneurial journey, getting those first clients? What else can you tell us? I think it was about two years in, we had, did a job for MTV, but it was through a conduit, through an agent. And I think I had employed about three or four people at the time. And it was a big job. And I got everybody on that job. What does that mean? Just like everyone you knew, all your friends? Well, all my employees. So, you know, there was a lot of hands on deck for that. And, you know, MTV and two years into our into our existence was a big client to get. How big were you at that point? In what sense? It, as in you said people, you said all my employees, like how, how many were you talking two years in? I, I think there was four or five of us, including me and my business partner. Okay. So, so I started with a business partner, it was me and him, and I think we had you know, two editors and a producer, I think, so we had a team of five of us, okay. um, all in a tiny 500 sort of square foot or whatever the smallest one is, you know, office in Hoban. And it was a shithole. And yeah, it was all hands on deck on that job. And then the agent ran off with all the money. And so we, I sort of dedicated all the resources for that month and beyond. I had to pay everyone's salaries. So I remember just sort of strolling down to the bank and putting up everything I had against a, a 10 grand loan and just knowing that I would get paid, you know, I'll sort it out the next month. But I, I look back at that decision now and think, crikey, that's ballsy. Wouldn't do that these days. Wow. <laughs> 
it yeah. all work out in the end? Did it all work out in the end? Yeah, it did. Funnily enough, I don't know how it did. I can't remember how it worked out. But yeah, I think we got another job in and I managed to pay it back and everything was fine. But, you know, that was literally everything I had against, you know, one month's salaries, just knowing it, everything would be... I mean, that, I suppose that's what I always look back on is how ballsy I was back then and just didn't I mean I didn't even see as confidence I was just like well we'll get something in next month and everything will be okay I mean you know I think I had at the team at the time we were a good team my business partner was incredibly creative and a great guy Tembisu is my very first employee and producer was terrific but no I think there was definitely something at the time where we didn't have much money so you know I couldn't employ the cream of the crop in fact the people who worked for us worked for the fact that they liked us they liked our work but you know we I think we were always slightly hamstrung by the fact that we didn't have much money to give our employees. So I wouldn't say it was the confidence of that. Confidence of that. And, and by that time as well, I'd, I think we hadn't got that much work in. I, I just, I think it was just complete, as I said, deluded self-belief. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a roller coaster for you, Ben. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. I suppose what I'd love our listeners to know is why you got started in all this and really how your journey's evolved as well. I've, I always want to start a business because it was a great extension of your creativity. I think starting a business is a great creative thing to do. Everything from setting up your accounts to doing your logos, brands, whatever is a creative action, right? Yeah. And so I think my love went from wanting to create great films and great work to wanting to create businesses. So I quickly started thinking about setting up another business and at my film production company a couple of years back or a few years back, we made an Xbox game for, with an Italian company with Microsoft and we started using games platforms and a client at the time was a big client of mine was Regis that do serviced offices. They were looking for some way to explore their offices. And so I sort of took the, the, the gaming platform and that proposition and sort of thought that actually gaming platforms could be used for property and exploring property. So I pitched it to them. They didn't go for it, but I thought there was something in there that could work. So I set up another business, which is sort of VR for property. And then within three months, two months, realized I had literally no idea about property whatsoever. It took me that long to realize that it probably wasn't going to help myself. This wasn't probably going to work with me heading it. So I got one of my very good friends, Patrick, who has worked in property for years. And I sat him down and just said to him, you know, let's do this, split it half and half and let's do it together. Was it still kind of the basis of an idea? Like you've got a good idea, you need someone with property expertise, let's put it together. And let's go out there yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, didn't have a client at all. I sort of, I, I did a maybe a couple of years of research in between obviously running DHP and, and realised there was an opportunity there. And then, yeah, didn't have any clients by that point, no. Okay, so how did you win your yeah. first client there? Crikey. Our first client there. I'm, ah, I actually know. I, yeah, I do remember this. So we were testing this VR capability and Patrick, my business partner, um, he was a project manager for high wealth residential projects and he was in with i don't know whether i can mention his name but sort of quite a quite a well-known businessman who was looking to renovate his mayfair of flat apartment flat flat's probably a bit a bit sort of average to to describe this sort of space okay yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and and he said well why don't you use this vr technology i'm working with a company because he was working with a company and so we sort okay, of did that as a beta test. We did a quotation test. marks there, which I'm not sure, you know. Sorry, for listeners, the, that's, that's <laughs> good listening, that. Seeing me do quotation marks. <laughs> he, so he said, why don't you 
renovate or for the design development phase, renovate this, you know, using this VR tool. So, and I think this businessman's over in his eighties. Okay. So we built it in VR and we showed this, this, this particular businessman who navigated the VR thing and, and made a few changes that in the end saved, I think maybe half a million pounds worth of renovation and design changes just by having wow. built it in a VR world beforehand. Yeah. And so that's when we knew we had something and that was our first job. Amazing, amazing, and such great learnings. I mean, being able to find out where the pain points are for clients and understanding, you know, ultimately what you can give them that will make their life easier, make things work faster, or just save yeah. them big bucks. I mean, you save half a million pounds with that client. Was that kind of that? That's when you realised you had the opportunity to deliver something of really great value and do something really creative and fun as well. Yeah, I think so. I think you know. It's interesting having, you know, I've been working, you know, with my second business walkthrough for two years now. And knowing what I know now, it's, I think we needed that sort of that push to see that there was something in there. It's, it's great to do nice creative pieces of work that look great. But if they don't have an actual, you know, ROI for the people that you're doing it for in a business world, they're very unlikely to work. So I think seeing that we saved that particular job or that particular client half a million just by doing that was the hook that we needed to sort of start it. And I, and I think the company has evolved massively since then. And we do a whole load of different things, but we've evolved in sort of trying to, like you say, constantly answer the pain points in the market. You know, that is, you know, that, that's what's driven the evolution in our business. And I suppose another thing that's interesting is when you start your own business. So, you know, I, I didn't have many mentors in starting a business. I, I had Rashid when I worked at EBTV, who was a great mentor for a year. But then when you start long, young like I did, you don't have many mentors sort of around to guide you. I think a mentor is quite important. And so what I did is I found uh, a mentor who had very complementary skill set to mine. Basically, he was very numerical driven, very numbers driven, very practical, which is yeah. exactly the opposite to what I am. And I think that's also a great way. If you can't find a business partner who, who complements your skills, you can find mentors and advice that can also complement your skills. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. Or just pay your accountant to do everything, which is why I do. <laughs> but then that's finding a great accountant, isn't it? <laughs> that's Correct. the next battle. One of the things that has really come out for me in this talk with you is that you just butting against anything that people say you must do you have to do it this way <laughs> <laughs> the ben way is definitely you can just figure it out find your own way just do your thing uh, and you can make it happen so it's brilliant. It is true though it, I, I, I believe in it absolutely steadfastly you know totally it's if you want it enough and you're passionate about it you'll find the time and it can be grown over two years while you're taking your income from somewhere else and then sack them off and start your own thing. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks for listening to Snippets of Genius. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help other people find it, I would really appreciate you taking a moment to rate or leave a review. And if you know someone who wants to start their own business, why not share it with them? And to find out more about how I help people start and scale, visit www.carolinek.co. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.